What have we here? Welcome to the wonders of Thedas. Welcome to the Wonders of Thetis podcast, your one-stop shop for all your Dragon Age role-playing game needs. My name is Ren. And I am Jessica. Welcome back to another exciting episode. We polled folks on the social media, to on our Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, technically, and Google Plus pages. SoundCloud. And see, uh, SoundCloud is kind of hard to reach out to. It doesn't really give you a place to post stuff. That's fair. But, Either way. Yeah, thank you for... Uh, incidentally, all the folks on SoundCloud, thank you for uh, hitting play so often. We've been looking at the stats, and it's it's pretty exciting. We got a lot of folks... We, uh, we got a lot of folks who've hit the play button, and, and it even tracks folks who've listened on, like, iTunes and stuff. So thank you all so much. It's very exciting. Thank you. We love uh, we love telling you stuff. We're glad you like listening. Yeah. So, uh, speaking of you guys telling us stuff, uh, what we want to hear, telling us stuff about what you want to hear, we had a poll on our social media, and we asked uh, about going to a uh, a nation that hasn't been touched on very much in Dragon Age video games, and the winner, uh, of course, was covering the background of the Navarran adventurer. Fancy, fancy. Mm-hmm. Which means we're going to Navarra. It's a really cool place. Uh, we'll talk about it here in a bit. First, we're going to do a very quick This Week in Thetis. You aren't worried I'll just make it up as I go? Not at all. You'll need to hear the whole story. Welcome to This Week in Thetis. It's a short one, but uh, just wanted to help, help catch some folks up. But Knight Errant Issue 2, uh, the, com- the Dragon Age comic book Knight Errant uh, Issue Number 2 is out. It is worth checking out. Uh, I personally haven't read it, but I devoured the first one. I'm very excited to see what's going on. Um, but I did manage to catch a couple of sn- uh, snippets, and they revealed something that I thought was kind of cool from a role-playing game perspective, is that uh, the main character, Veya, was born in the alienage outside of Edge Hall, which first appeared in the RPG Core rulebook adventure Battle's Edge. So it's kind of cool to see that uh, the folks at Bioware are grabbing stuff from the tabletop RPG, tabletop RPG and the tabletop RPG stuff are grabbing st- stuff from the video games. So That's it's, really neat. Yeah, it's exciting. It's neato. Are you sure it didn't show up anywhere else? Yeah, uh, at least according to the wiki. And huh. I I don't think... I, I'm pretty sure Edge Hall has only ever been mentioned in Battle's Edge. It's not even marked on Nomos for all the maps. Well, well done. Collaborative efforts. Well done. Woo! We thought yeah. it was cool. yeah. Anyway, uh, we should probably go ahead and consult that codex. You can ask me questions if you like. I'm not sure why you'd want to, but... Oh, good. Thank you. I'm going to regret this, aren't I? Welcome to the codex. We've got a couple questions for you this time. A couple of, uh, a couple of interesting ones. Um, and uh, to make all up, from regulars. all from regulars. Uh, we I took two from Parsifal this time to make up for the fact that I completely forgot you last time, Parsifal. I'm so sorry. So we're making it up to you this time. We got two of your questions on the docket. Uh, Parsifal's first question on the Green Running forums was: My PCs are at level three, and they are discovering that they are hitting and getting hit a lot. Has anyone tried introducing defensive focuses for rogues and warriors that add two to their defense value? called things like dodge, parry, or block. These could be introduced for elite bosses, too. I guess doing so would prolong combat a bit, but I think it might also encourage more defensive actions and stunts. Thoughts? Hmm. I think that there's definitely... I think having those as options is not a bad idea in the slightest. Yeah. I mean, there could be people who want to play more defensive-based games, mm-hmm. 
And that, you know, people who are, I mean, it's also not a bad option for people who, excuse me, are playing um, characters with low armor ratings. Yes. Could be a saving grace for them. You know, if you're playing a mage for some reason without rock armor. Hmm. You're going to need to get out of the way. Yeah. But uh, I think that, yeah, I think it would prolong combat a little, and it could end up... uh, I think you had a reason or two why it was could it could be problematic. Dragon Age and its sister game Fantasy Age kind of don't necessarily assume that you're going to have big defense scores to go up against because bigger defense scores means that you're going means that you and the enemies are going to miss more often, which means more wasted turns essentially, which means that folks aren't rolling stunt points, the combat's taking longer and um which means a little less fun for everybody. But I, at that same time, I don't think a plus two to defense is going to change very much. Yeah. Well, I mean, there may be people who really particularly get satisfaction from being, yeah. Like, hey, does a 15 hit? No. Hmm. Uh-uh. It does not. <laughs> like, that, that, that could be a good time, too. Yeah. So I think it's not a bad option to have as sort yeah. of a... Most defensive options in the game are pretty much... Defense is kind of... Uh, at least we've got a couple characters in the game right now, in our game right now, that have pretty decent defense scores. Um, the rogue is rocking a uh, pretty good defense when yeah, she's got she all was her Yeah, she was a, what, a 21 active. last night? Yeah, and I think that the warrior is even rocking a 20 defense, which is, those aren't bad. Uh, and against, uh, against you know, especially... We're level 18. 18. We are level 18. We worked pretty hard for they it. They better have those. So, for me, some mooks smart. are probably going to miss, and that's and that's cool. It feels heroic. Uh, mm-hmm. Big guys are probably going to hit, but armor cl- it's your armor class. Your armor rating is supposed to uh, account for most of your defense, I think, in Fantasy Age, in Dragon Age. So warriors are going to be the ones who are taking the most licks and taking the most, uh, and soaking up the most damage, and rogues are going to be soaking up less. So I think, personally, I think that the way it works right now is just fine. Uh, but that being said... I don't think plus two to defense is going to change much. But you will have to ask yourself, um, let's see, uh, it'll probably be a dexterity focus. Uh, would it be restricted, let's see, as you mentioned, uh, for rogues and warriors, would you restrict it to a class? Uh, does Can this, and obviously that focus could eventually be improved once you hit level th- uh, 11, making it a plus three to defense mm-hmm. instead of plus two. Moreover, if you did give it to mages, would you have it stack with things like fade shield? Mm-hmm. Probably and, don't do. It sounds like you already had a fairly good cap on the idea of um, who, which enemies get it, uh, normally to like elite level bosses, mm-hmm. which is which makes sense, and I think I, th- I personally think that that's that's fine. I think it's a very good idea to limit the number of people that you give the defense focus to, because then it because uh, once everybody get if everybody's getting the defense focus, then it uh, feel, it'll feel a little less special and. Those focuses that those PCs put into those weapon uh, those weapon modifiers will feel less significant. Yeah. You're not really meant to miss in this game, but I don't really see a lot of good reasons why you shouldn't add a, add some mechanics yeah, like that. It changes the way the combat dynamic works a little bit, and that could mm-hmm. be something that's refreshing for some players. Yeah, it's true. So, I hope that was helpful, Parsifal. That was our two cents, our two coppers. Uh, also, from Parsifal, thank you again, on the Green Running Forums, second question, 
What do you think of the idea of allowing PCs who take the Arcane Warrior as their first specialization to take a weapon specialization instead of another mage-based mm. specialization as their second specialization slot? It makes sense to me. Such a, such a character could focus on the Marshal rather than the Arcane. I'm so down for that. I, I kind of like this idea. I think that's pretty cool. I think that's completely legitimate because they're sacrificing an entire mm-hmm. secondary specialization mm-hmm. so that they can take talents to give them the ability to use certain weapons. I'd, I'd be super down for that. I, I think that's I awesome. think that's entirely reasonable and I'm frankly kind of sad that it's not in the rules. <laughs> well, you know, Fantasy Age is nothing but modular. Yep. Or Dragon Age. No, Dragon, both of them really. They're really easy to modify, so I'd say Parsable, go for it. That sounds super cool. Yeah, absolutely. I love that plan. Maybe consider. Uh, well, you know, most of the spe- most of the styles. I was gonna say maybe restrict it to like uh, talent you can take with the weapon group that you chose, but most of the weapon groups have uh, a lot of options. Plus, that regarding. means that somebody who wanted to do something cool would be stuck out for several levels. And... Mm-hmm. No, I think don't restrict it. Just let it happen, especially because yeah. they're sacrificing the chance to be a blood mage to do this. So, <laughs> darn. No blood magic for you. You're really good with that sword. Yep. But, yeah, go for it. Go for it. Do Go forth and do cool things. Next, uh, another regular, Andy Klosky, through our email. Thank you again so very much. How do you work in backgrounds that imply some sort of on-the-run element, such as the apostate, escaped elven slave, or legion exile, or Talvashoth backgrounds? How prevalent are these, and what do you do to keep these pieces on their toes? We actually dealt with this. For a significant portion of our campaign. That's true. Uh, because we, were, we had a couple of Dalish folks, one of whom was a mage. Yep. I spent a lot of time not casting spells in public. Yep. Had to be it's... very careful about that. And, I mean, even the, the book itself makes a mention that, you know, if you're going to have, if you're going to play an apostate, specifically like an apostate, you are going to be seriously limited on actions when mm-hmm. it comes to public mm-hmm. combat. Public engagements. You that means made... you had to use that quarterstaff a lot. I did. And I used to be it a fair, lot. you used it to great effect. Yeah, but uh, I think that, for one, I think all of these are fairly popular backgrounds, simply because a lot of people like to play the uh, the rogue element or the outsider mm-hmm. or the uh, the fugitive. The fugitive. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that they're really, really solid uh, fodder for for uh, GMs to use to. Oh, definitely. Make for some good character development opportunities. Some, add some extra complications to the adventure. Yeah, and uh, but to keep those PCs on their toes, you know, uh, a couple of things happened. There was one point where Templars came calling. Hey, yep, that's right. And they we had an, an NPC that was also an apostate, and they were like, you know, send out your apostates. And we were like, oh, it's just me, and we ended up having to smuggle the other apostate out a window. And it was not dignified, but it no. was a really excellent moment where we had to be very quick on our feet because we had characters that were not supposed to get caught. Oh, yeah. I think it's just going to add more depth to your story and a bit more action and a bit more, and a bit more uh, light-footedness to the step of those characters. Um, apostates, of course, are going to have the Chantry on their backs. Uh, mm-hmm. The escaped elven slaves are likely going to have uh, Tevinter slavers uh, coming to claim, your, claim you again, especially if yep. you were... Uh, own if you were a special property uh, or a prized slave like um, goodness like Fenris was, mm-hmm. especially if you were a, a mage slave. Yeah, those are oh, those fetch a pretty penny. 
Especially because they actually weirdly have their own status in government, too. Yeah, you know, in a weird way, they can. Um, the Orlesian Exile is likely has likely left Orle for very good reasons. The game does not play. The game does not play well with everybody. You are probably going to see a bard or two on your tail. Uh huh. Especially if you got someone angry, you might have to deal with some political some uh, political intrigue as someone tries to like politically destroy you, even while you're not in Orle. And of course, the Talvashoth are hunted by the Kunari. Um, whether the Kunari don't really necessarily have, well, they kind of have a dedicated task force into dealing with Talvashoth. The Bar- the uh, the Ben Hasroth do that a lot. Of course, the ben, having the Ben Hasroth in their tail is a is a problem, because those folks those folks know what they're doing. So you have all this. So GMs, you got a lot of options. Uh, you can add uh, extra little bits to encounters. You can, uh, if you really want to keep the players on their toes. Maybe if they perform particularly flamboyant actions that catch a lot of attention, have them make a test. And if they fail the test, um, record the dragon die result. Uh, and just and just maybe like write it on a board or write it on the map or put it in a spot where everybody can see it and to just make the players be like, okay, what, what did we just do? <laughs> You're just like messing with people. I mean, yes. Gotta create tension. Uh-huh. Yeah, I think... That, uh, I love those particular backgrounds for those reasons. I think that it's a great way to add some strife into the party and to Mm -hmm. give them a chance to have to think really quickly. Especially if some PCs do not like being, having to be fugitives because their friend is a fugitive. Yeah. Fortunately, we didn't have that problem. Yes. You guys don't have to worry about your faith being misplaced. Misplaced. (laughs) It's funny because it's faith misplaced. Lol. It's the name of the name. Of the That's the name of our campaign. It's a pretty fun campaign. We'll it tell is. you about it. It's pretty great. We'll always talk about it. Uh, so thank you, Andy. Thank you, Parsifal. Excellent questions. Uh, if you, listening here, have a question about the Dragon Age RPG, any question of any kind, or if you feel like a, a topic that we covered before needed some clarification or you weren't completely sure on it or you want us to go back to an old topic, you can send us a message at wondersathetispodcast at gmail.com. Send it to us through our Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, uh, Twitter, Tumblr, Google+, or SoundCloud accounts, or send a personal message to Caught the Protector on the Green Running forums. That's me. That's him. I flubbed it. It's okay. We still like you. <laughs> well, thank you. So, uh, now that the codex closed, uh, we should open our books to the Dissonant Verses. Do you ever wonder what lies at the edges of the map, past the seas? No. I think we have enough to worry about on this continent. <laughs> of course, but... Welcome to the Distant Verses. We have a couple of creations of our own to show off this time. One, the first one, unfortunately, is not quite done yet, but will be uh, hopefully within the week. Mm-hmm. And it is a brand new introductory adventure for the Dragon Age uh, for Dragon Age RPG called "What Chains Are For." This guy has been working on this. Like he's been pulling some graveyard shifts working on this thing. So <laughs> I really like this adventure. It's it's supposed to be done and uh, be able to like pick up and be done in about four hours. It's only like five encounters, and you can even cut one of the encounters if you guys, if, if, if everyone needs a bit more time. And uh, I, I think it's, I think it's cool. It's got some, it's, it's a little, it's, it's got choices, and those choices affect encounters later on. And why don't you give us a little basic idea of what it's about? 
Just the premise. The premise is that uh, a young boy, let's say, rushes into the town where your PCs are, where your PCs are located, whether you're members of the Inquisition, members of the Grey Wardens, or even just a local mercenary group. Uh, a little boy starts running through town asking someone for help in broken common. Uh, it's in broken common, uh, trade tongue. And uh, they eventually come to you and say that their family has been kidnapped by uh, Tevinter slavers. They're going to be carted up to the up to the north and be sold on slave blocks. And you are their only hope of getting out. Sounds like an adventure. Mm-hmm. But these captives may not be everything that, you, that they seem. Dun-dun-dun. And some people may think twice about rescuing them. So we hope you like it. It's written for for characters level one to three. Should be done rather quickly. It's meant to be to be an introductory adventure, so it introduces mechanics. Uh, We'll have that posted on our and see. We'll have that posted on our uh, blog. One is the latest podcast. Wordpress. Com. Um, we'll also be posting uh, a second creation that is also still kind of in the works because I'm using it for my home campaign. Yep, we just dealt with some of it. Yeah, last they, night we got to be the guinea pigs. They got to throw their faces into it a little bit, but it is uh, it is basically a collection of pre-made traps. The core rulebook uh, includes the basic building blocks for traps and a lot of uh, mechanics and how they work and um, uh, special effects that you can add to traps. But they and they include one example which has a lovely little story written uh, written in it. But they don't have a lot of ones that are just pre-made. So, I thought I would take the liberty of writing uh, a bunch of traps. Right now, most of the traps I've got written are master traps. So Because he was writing them for an 18th level campaign. Correct. So, uh, those, so the, we, we, we've got, I goodness, I think I've gotten like maybe 10 traps written right now. And I'm planning on adding some more. How of, many uh, of those are we about to face? Many of them. Is the answer all of them? The answer is most of them. Probably all of them, if I can make it, if I can make it happen. Not pleased. It'll be great. Oh boy. And animated suits of armor too. Yeah, I know we dealt with that already. And that might try and push you into those traps. Yeah. It'll be fun. Did you take that idea just because we decided we were going to skirmish them into the traps? Is <laughs> no, 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 I, I was. I, I actually built that encounter expecting that you guys would probably come up with that idea yourself. And one of their favorite uh, stunts is skirmish. Is skirmish. Oh. Uh. Terrible, but yeah. uh, not something you guys can't benefit from. So exactly, exactly. Be on the lookout <laughs> for some nasty traps. Be feel free to take things like the firebomb cluster or the deadly blades trap, uh, and to stick them on your PCs. You can just drag and drop them into your campaign. I, I also tell you if you make a pit, <laughs> I'm just gonna use stones throw and go under it. <laughs> They've got their own little stat blocks, but the damage modifiers, their special effects, uh, and the target numbers to dis- to find, understand, disable, and even salvage them. So we hope that helps. Uh, we hope you like it. You can find, of course, all of these submissions and more archived in our resources for your game page on our blog, wordpress.com. If you'd like to let us know about some custom Dragon Age RPG content or even send us your own, send a message to wondasathetispodcast at gmail.com. Send it to us through our Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, Google+, or SoundCloud accounts. Or send a personal message to Caught the Protector on the Green Running Forums. That's me. Sounds good. We hope you like it. We haven't gotten a submission in a little while, so if anyone's got anything, yeah. feel free to share. Make stuff. We're still making Mine stuff. Guys. We're going to keep making stuff as well, but feel free to share I need to get to back to us. making more art. I haven't been arting. Lately. Oh, definitely. Should no, have I you didn't. art for the podcast. Yeah, should do some art. We're going to do a, uh, uh, an article about Brasilia here fairly soon. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I can we need to shoot, make can sure you... that my art for the... For the, for the high keepers, yeah. Yeah, make, that, make sure that's set up. Hmm. 
I guess we can include that in the distant verses at some point, but we'll talk about it later. Another time. Another time. Because right now... We don't... Yeah, we're not going to Brasilia right now. We're going no. somewhere a bit We're going somewhere, somewhere with art, culture, dragon hunters, lots of kings, and lots of dead people. We're, of course, talking about Navarra, being a Navarran adventurer. This is our main topic for today. Is it fate or chance? So you're a Navarran adventurer. You can turn to page 23 and 24 in the core rulebook, and you can read the background for yourself. You can see the numbers, and see the numbers, the doohickeys, the thingamabobs, and the stats. Uh, we're going to be talking about uh, portraying that Navarran adventurer, how you can bring it to life in the role-playing game. So, what is a Navarran adventurer? And it, thank, it is actually one of those really broad backgrounds. It gives you a lot of wiggle room. You can be pretty much anything. The only ki- the only stipulation of the background is pretty much that you're from Navarra and you decided to become an adventurer for one reason or another. It could be for profit, glory, but you carry a proud demonym, Navarran. So, if you are a Navarran, you likely are somewhat cultured, as art and festivities are a very large part of Navarran life. You can claim that you likely can claim your nation is ruled by powerful dynasties and that your nation's military prowess is unmatched. Plenty of people will contest you, most of them were legions, but uh, yep. you likely have heard many fables of dragon hunters and may even aspire to be one yourself one day. Uh, you likely have a unique view on death. Navarans believe that when a person dies and moves on to the fate, it displaces a fade spirit into the waking world. To give this spirit a safe haven, the corpses of the dead are mummified and preserved in Navarra's Grand Necropolis, a city unto itself that is kept only for the dead. Now that sounds like a place to to have an adventure yeah, if ever there was. Have on. some crazy adventures there. Uh, this is one of the major things that sets Navarra apart from a lot of other uh, Andrastian nations is that they do not cremate their uh, cremate their dead like most other Andrastians do. Yeah. Um, they inter their dead. They mummify and preserve their corpses. Uh, and uh, inter them in family tombs, hopefully in the Grand Necropolis, if they can afford it. Mm-hmm. Uh, others likely ask if you've ever hunted a dragon before. Others likely assume you don't like Orlesians because of the bad blood between Navarra and Orlais. Are there, how many nations are there that don't have bad blood with Orlais? Are there <laughs> that any? is a fair question. There probably aren't. I mean, are there Orlesians that don't have bad blood with Orlais? The Orlesians take pride in that fact, that there probably are not any Orlesians that have not gotten someone angry before. Man, get it together, Orlean. <laughs> uh, others likely worry that you are secretly a member of a, of a, uh, uh, a mage death cult. Mm-hmm. You know, that's fair, right? Yeah. And I imagine they're listening for your last name and uh, mm-hmm. waiting, pr- hoping against hope for it to be Pentagast. Yeah. I mean, uh, speaking of pentagasts, uh, NPCs who likely took this background from uh, Dragon Age media that already exists, the first one, obviously, Cassandra, Cassandra Pentagast. Pentagasp. Pentagasp. No. You're not allowed. <laughs> that one's an old one. That one's been around for a little You're while. You're forbidden. But uh, so. Cassandra is obviously the quintessential NPC from... Navarra, and mm-hmm. if you've seen the uh, the CG movie about her past, <laughs> you get to see some of that Navarran uh, skill of hers mm-hmm. 
as regards dragons. She kicks a lot of butt. Because a lot of dragon butt. That the, that is a great number of dragons that she. She kicks defeats. Mage, she kicks blood mage butt. She kicks templar butt. She kicks uh, dragon she kicks butt. Dragon butt. Demon butt. People just lay out their cheeks, and she plants her chin and plants the boot firmly on them. Yep. But uh, that aside, she's not the only Navarin. Yes, uh, we're going. We're we're digging a little deep here. So uh, pull and see. Uh, so first, we're uh, there's Nairi, who is a character from the Dragon Age Redemption uh, web series that Felicia Day created, the one that starred Talus. Uh, she is the Reaver from that uh, particular adventure. She was interesting. I haven't. I'm not familiar yeah. with it. So she doesn't show up for very long, but Reavers tend to make an impression. So that they do. <laughs> Usually a physical one in somebody's Ooh, yeah. skin. Definitely. Um, of course, if you play Dragon Age Inquisition's multiplayer, the necromancer, Sidoni, uh, is, would also take in the Navarin adventurer, uh, potentially taking the Navarin adventurer background. Well, except course, for being a mage. She's a mage, so she probably took the circle mage background. But she is definitely from Navarra, and she's got a lot of very Navarra flavor to her. Uh, and uh, for those of you who have read the Mage Killer uh, comics, Tessa Forsythia uh, is from Navarra, uh, and her, her family already has a, uh, a crypt being built for her in the Grand Necropolis. Well, that's kind. Mm-hmm. She doesn't seem very excited about it. She no, honestly, I thing. wouldn't be super excited about a family building my... Mm-hmm. No, that, uh, that would be a bit more cause for concern. It, right. I mean... It's but a thing. It's, it's a different. Navarra. Navarra's different. So, there's some cool examples out there. Uh, go check them out. Um, we'll talk about Navarra a little bit. Let's see, give you a brief history of Navarra so you know what your country what your country is like. Navarra was once part of the Free Marches. It was one of the larger city-states. Uh, the ruling families, however, had shifted so many times that Navarra started falling on some pretty hard times. It didn't have a lot of funds. It wasn't very military powerful. And a lot of people were thinking that it would have to cede to a larger power like Orlay or Starkhaven uh, to continue their way of life. This had not come to pass, as the legendary Caspar Pentagast deposed ki- the king, Ionis, in the Glory Age and seized the throne for his family. The Pentagast turned the fortunes of, the Nav- of Navarra in the other direction, and they ruled a grand dynasty lasting into the Exalted Age. Uh, after the Fourth Blight ended... Let's see. The Tevinter Imperium and Orlay began to grab the territories that had been liberated by the Darkspawn. Uh, Orlay took Navarra because they marched across Navarra to fight the Darkspawn, and they were like, "Yeah, we're just going to take this while we're here." It sounds Orlesian. Very Orlesian. Um, Tevinter took Hunterfell in the north, and Tevinter had to have have its little slice of the pie. Uh, in the Exalted Age, a Navarran general by the name of Tylus Van Markham rose against the Pentagast, whom he claimed had lost sight of what it was be to Navarran uh, to be Navarran in their corruptions. Tylus claimed he was descended from Cordelius Drake on the first, who was the guy who invented a little thing called the Andrast Enchantry, uh, oh. and was a hero of the recently ended Fourth Blight. He was able to rally help from the people of the Free Marches to stand against the Pentagast clan, and once the throne was his, he turned his sights south toward Olay. He led the Navarran armies against the Orlesians and pushed them back, claiming large amounts of territory from Orlais. This was when people started to see Navarra as a significant player in the politics of Thetis. Uh, a couple hundred years later in the Steel Age, the last Van Markham king died without male heirs. His daughter had wed a Pentagast, so the two families became one and established a strong noble line and solidified Navarra's power, with both families coming out in equal power. This does not mean that they don't try to prove one is better than the other, of course. I mean, come on, we live in Thetis. Yeah. 
Uh, and the Blessed Age, Navarra had noticed that Orle was currently engaged uh, with Ferelden in war, which was the Orlesian occupation of Ferelden. If you've read The Stolen Throne, you know what that looks like. Uh, and took a chance to declare war on, Th- on Orle and try and take land from the distracted superpower. Uh, Orle managed to rally defense, but some territory was actually lost from uh, to Navarra that could not be reclaimed. Instead of taking it by force, Orle began to sow dissent among the stolen lands. Pa- uh, Perrindale, in particular, disliked the Navarran occupation, and rebellion against them persists to this day. Navarra and Orle remain leery of their borders, with chevaliers posted to guard against Navarran attack and the Navarans waiting for another chance to seize power. And there we are, mm-hmm. present day. Yeah, and now we're let's see, and here we are in the Dragon Age. Um, so now that we're in the Dragon Age, let's talk about what it's like to live in Navarra. Uh, Navarra has qualities of life that are similar to Orle and to Vinter and other powerful developed countries. So they've got, you know, cities and the bigger cities uh, are probably... In, a bit, better than Ferelden, a bit better than Ferelden, probably. A bit better than Ferelden, probably. You've got a better, you've got a nice quality of life. The city, like the city streets, might even be made of made of like cobblestone or something. <laughs> not dirt. Just, not just dirt. Wow. And not like not just the nice parts of the city. Like the whole city it. is yeah. made of not dirt. And the whole city might have like big stone walls or something. Wow. Well, depends on the city, of course. The place you're living in. Um, Navarra heavily values its art, its heroes, and its festivals. You would have heard countless retellings of stories of powerful kings like Caspar the Magnificent, brave dragon hunters, and a mighty military that stole land from the Empire of Orlais itself. Uh, you would call a gold piece a king's gilder, or possibly a king, for short. Incidentally. Uh, you might come from Cumberland, one of the largest cities in the world and home to the glittering golden dome of the College of Magi. You might come from Hunterfell, the ancestral home of the Pentagast, and the place the third archdemon, Toth, was slain. You might come from the capital city, uh, Navarra City. This is where Navarra as a city-state originated and where the rest of the nation grew from. Just outside the city is also where the fabled Grand Necropolis is located. Navarra has many festivals throughout the year, with dragon hunting balls in the winter, winter send tournaments in the spring, the Duchess's Games in the summer, and ancestral pageants and public games of wit in the autumn. Uh, you would also likely know that the current throne of Navarra has an uncertain fate, which, GMs, Take note. <laughs> Campaign stuff come incoming. Make use. The current king, Marcus Pentagast, is old and growing a little senile. The net, uh, the next in line to rule is his brother, Ferdinand Pentagast, who is also old and has no interest in ruling Navarra. Uh, neither of these brothers have any known children. Many claim that Marcus uh, is ruled through the Mortalitasi, like the Pentagasts of Solingaga long ago, before the Van Markham dynasty. Now, who are the Mortalitasi? Uh, we're going to get to those folks. Uh, they're a very important part of uh, Navarra, and no discussion of Navarra would be complete without them. Okay, so just for now, assume that ruled by some weird shadowy group. Weird shadowy group called the Mortalitasi. Uh, some claim that a new family needs to rise and take the place of either family, leading Navarra into a new age with its head high. Should any PCs be of the Pentagast line, they may have the chance to prove the Pentagast can still rule Navarra, or even try to take the throne for themselves. I mean, uh... That could be fun. I'm just saying, Cassandra's, you know, pretty cool, pretty <laughs> Cassandra cool could probably punch anybody who would stop her. It's true. But she also doesn't seem to have any reason to rule, and, you know, might be divine or something. Uh, it depends. Depends, you know. Stuff happens in Dragon Age Inquisition. You folks should play it. Maybe spoilers? Maybe spoilers. Maybe not. Uh, Let's talk about Navarra and their art. All Navarran settlements have some kind of public works of art. Even the smallest villages work hard to maintain a statue of one of Navarra's grand dragon hunters, or a member of the various dynasties. Uh, Navarra has a very lively, if not well-paid, art community. 
Uh, sculpture, dance, theater, architecture, and even more utilitarian trades like smithing have a distinct style to them. Uh, it is not uncommon for Navarran adventurers to have a have a background in creativity. Consider taking dexterity crafting focus if you can. Communication performance is also common among the artistic circles of Navarra. Sounds good. Uh, and of course, no discussion uh, would be complete without touching a bit more on the Pentagasts. Uh, the Pentagast are the largest and most storied family, one of the largest and most storied families in Navarra. They have dragon hunters, kings, and wealth under their family crest, and their name carries a lot of weight in most nations. Uh, it is actually not unreasonable for a PC to be a member of the Pentagast family at all. The family is quite large, and most members can proudly point themselves out on a Pentagast family tree, regardless of their current fortunes. Not all members of the clan are wealthy, so your PC can come from a background of any means and still claim the name Pentagast. Yeah. It's a, it's a pretty big family at this it point. Is. I mean, I guess it would be what would mm-hmm. spanning an entire nation oh, yeah. for so long. And they all and see and you would also probably definitely have a chart of the family tree and can point yourself out on it. Yep. And all the folks in your immediate family would also probably have their own copies. Be pretty mm. important part of mm. your identity. At this You'd point. have a lot to prove because a lot of pentagasts uh, don't do anything quite like Cassandra, uh, quite like Cassandra does. Many of them grow fat on the wealth of their uh, simply on the wealth of their name, uh, and just kind of claim claim the fame that is pentagast without necessarily attempting to hunt dragons or help lead the country or anything. Mm-hmm. So maybe one of your parents is one of these fat cats who is uh, not giving a lot of credit to the pentagast name, and you need to go get 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 some some cred. Yep, gonna go uh, prove that you are worthy of the name pentagast. Woo. Sounds like fun. Uh, we mentioned these folks earlier; they're worth touching on. The Mortalitasi. The Mortalitasi are an order of circle mages, unlike any that you'd find in Thetis. Not only do they hold great political influence in Navarra, even rivaling the power of magisters in Tevinter, uh, but they are responsible for the Navarran view on death. Um, goodness, uh, hundreds of years ago, uh, some of the first Pentagast kings uh, were spoken to by uh, early members of the, Mortal- the founders of the Mortalitasi order who introduced these views on death. Um, and they very quickly became advisors to KNC, to kings and the rulers of the dynasties that would come after. They are the mages who maintain the Grand Necropolis and have since its construction. They are also the ones who inter the dead into the necropolis if they are deemed worthy. Just how much say the Mortalitasi have about their worthiness is anyone's guess. You can probably assume that they have most of the say about mm-hmm. it. Uh, these grey-robed mages have also served the side of Navarran royalty for centuries, so they are quite adept in political matters. Mm-hmm. Uh, if your character wants to be a member of the Mortalitasi, the best background to pick would actually be Circle Mage, as the Mortalitasi seek new recruits through the Navarran circles. I would argue, however, mm-hmm. that once you hit level 6, if you are a Circle Mage hailing from Navarra, mm-hmm. I would argue that you don't actually need to find too much in order to take the uh, Necromancer mm-hmm. uh, specialization, because it's something you grew up with. Oh, yeah. I would say that it would be particularly easy for a circle mage from Navarra to take that particular specialization oh, without definitely. much extra work. Mortalitasi are very likely uh, like an auto a unlock. lot of necromancers. And yeah, an auto-unlock for you if you come from Navarra. Uh, whether or not you actually join the Mortalitasi order, you probably would have been taught a couple of their tricks in the circles of Magi and Navarra. Uh, that definitely gets the Templars very leery in Navarra, but because the, the they already have so much political clout, there's not much that money the Templars can do at this point. Which I'm sure just ruffles their feathers. 
Oh, they love not being the people in power. That's their favorite thing. Oh, definitely. Thing. That's their favorite thing to do. They didn't get grumpy at all in uh, Asunder, in the Asunder novel. No, things went there's, great. There's no Mage Templar War. There's no Mage Templar about? War. That didn't happen. The Conclave didn't blow up. What are you talking about? Well, let's. why don't we talk about a place that hasn't blown up and really shouldn't. Really shouldn't. The Grand Necropolis. <laughs> The Grand Necropolis is a city of its own, sitting silently outside of Navarra City. Uh, those with means can have themselves and their families interred in the Grand Necropolis, and most nobles begin construction of their own tombs while very young. Uh, entire mansions, city blocks, and mausoleums fill the Grand Necropolis with a splendid architecture that most of the living may never see. Uh, people are often buried with their worldly possessions and even with their mummified pets in some cases, uh, so there is much wealth being kept in the Necropolis. Most of it is guarded, but if a family dies out or cannot keep up payments to the Mortalitasi, their tombs fall prey to decay and grave robbers. Oh. Imagine that. That's, uh, that also sounds like an interesting way to start a uh, storyline. Oh, definitely. I've got an idea for potential uh, character adventure seeds and the like. Mm. You know, supposing that one of your party members is... You know, a, a, a would-be member of the Mortalitasi. Mm-hmm. One of your party members is maybe a grieving family member. And maybe one is a tomb robber. Mm. Maybe they all end up in the same place at the same time due to shenanigans. Who's your real friend? Maybe they end up, you know, having to work together against some greater threat. Perhaps within the Mortalitasi itself. Who knows? Perhaps... Some undeath gone out of control, who knows? But mm. you could definitely work with a party like mm. that. Because Navarans do not burn their dead, uh, there are plenty of corpses sitting around in the Grand Necropolis, which means that uh, uh, corpse possession is much more common in Navarra. Kind of the point, honestly. It, it kind of is. The, the Mortalitasi argue that it is kind of the point, and even consider it a grand, and actually consider it a grand honor if a spirit actually like tries to reach out to you. Uh, it's even uh, like through uh, through the corpse of one of your ancestors. Uh, they they consider that pretty dang sweet. Yes. But unfortunately, that also means that uh, occasionally a particularly angry or powerful demon will get into the Grand Necropolis, find a very suitable corpse, and maybe something akin to like a revenant starts uh, starts making uh, laying waste to a tomb, massing an army, what have you. Um, you know, stuff happens. You know, which is why the Mortalitasi have to stick around so often uh, to make sure that that kind of stuff gets kept on the down low. Yeah, that would not be popular. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, there is another tradition uh, in Navarra that is very important uh, that most people are going to be thinking about when they hear the word Navarra is dragon hunting. Dragon hunting! Pew! Woo! Dragon hunting has a long and very proud tradition in Navarra. Some of Navarra's greatest dragon hunters have come from the Pentagast clan, meaning that many Pentagasts are somewhat pressured to hold up to the family reputation of slaying the beasts. But, of course, they don't all come from the Pentagasts. Uh, had circumstances been different, Cassandra might have even become a dragon hunter. Well... I think she's done her share of dragon hunting, if we're all honest with you know, it's, it's very true. Maybe it wasn't her primary goal in life, but it's what it happened anyway. It certainly happened. It was pretty dang cool. Yeah, she could have been a dragon hunter. I mean, honestly, given her last name, it's circumstances have been different. Cassandra may have been a queen. And, you know, stuff happens. Cassandra's had a lot of opportunities. She's kind of a snowflake. <laughs> she's very yeah. unique. Yeah, yeah. She's pretty cool, though. Yeah. Oh, no, I love Cassandra. She's fantastic. Oh, yeah. 
Super dang cool. And uh, this is part of what makes her so cool. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see, that super cool dragon hunting is actually not a very prolific art anymore, uh, because with dragons nearly being hunted to extinction by Navarans long ago. Uh, only in the recent Dragon Age have they begun to resurface again, which is lighting fires in the bellies of old and new hunters who wish to make their family proud with the head of one of the mighty beasts. Poor dragons. Yeah, poor dragons. Especially if you play Inquisition, and you can, and you single-handedly can kill, like, ten of them. Poor dragons, they're just, just living their lives. Minding their own business, for the mm-hmm. most part. Yeah. The Kunari don't seem to have much of a problem with killing dragons, either. They revere them as creatures of great power, but that power is uncontrolled. It is not guided, so that needs to be destroyed. <sighs> Poor dragons. Poor dragons. You keep saying. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean that the dragon hunting clans are not cool, because you have to admit, oh, it's yeah. a pretty cool thing to do. Uh, if you look in the uh, rewards and the rewards section of the core rulebook, you can also find titles uh, for being a dragon hunter, because that does carry a lot of clout in, in, in Navarra. Even if you are not necessarily a pentagast, if you've hunted a dragon, that gets you that gets you a lot of points real fast, and maybe even some statues made in your honor. And the, and the Navarans love building statues, especially of dragon hunters. They're everywhere dotting every city corner in navarra city dragon hunting uh, dragon hunting gets you celebrity status in navarra very fast but um as, as the core book mentions uh dragon hunting also uh carries titles which means that you that you actually get like a monthly paycheck for being a dragon hunter nice probably uh, more Does like come with in, a dental plan gifts and probably some holdings and uh, you know as close to a dental plan as they just could get. Which is basically just money basically and doctors. Money and doctors. So, uh, we would like you folks to walk away. Uh, and see, we've, we've given you lots to talk about, uh, but to give you guys something to mull over and something you can use right away, we've got a couple of adventure seeds that you can use for your characters uh, or for GMs to spur, a cam- to spur a campaign onward. So... Does a Navaran PC make any stipulations to their adventuring colleagues about taking their body back to Navarra to be interred in the Grand Necropolis should they perish in their adventures? A Navaran of noble lineage would likely have a family tomb waiting for them, so if the PC dies, how do their allies get them to their home to be buried with honor? NP- uh, Navaran PC deaths are probably one of the most interesting ones to have at the table. Especially if they've got means to be buried in the Grand Necropolis, because they'd like to be over there and not wherever, not whatever godforsaken spit of land they just died on. Yeah. You heard him, GMs. Any of your PCs are Navarin? They die first. Yeah, they die first because it gives the rest of them super cool adventures. And you might want to get make sure that the Navarin, Navarin PC, uh, the Navarin player has a uh, backup. Yeah, but uh, this may not be the best ad for encouraging Navarin. <laughs> encouraging party death. Yeah. Well, um, moving right along, uh, a Navaran has a commission that needs delivering. This commission is a statue of a deceased member of the Pentagast clan. A member of the Van Markham family intends to vandalize the statue before it reaches its destination, and the PCs must stop the vandals and odd traps meant to mar the Pentagast statue. Better yet, if the statue does get damaged, one of, but one of the PCs has experience with stonemasonry or carving statues, they will need to fix it or enhance it for them to get paid. A bonus, this would be an excellent time to use some of those traps being outlined on the, uh, mm-hmm. on the, on our, uh, blog. Yeah, definitely. That uh, sounds like an yes. interesting problem. That one also sounds like it's 
rife with shenanigan opportunities. Oh, and I do love a... some sh- some good shenanigans. Oh, yeah. That's kind of like the wily Coyote giggling on the side of the road as he's about to pull the cord as the caravan goes by with the statue. Yeah. So if you want to have a, fu- I guess, a funny... It's like that combined with, uh, you know, the episode of Spongebob where they're trying to get the paint on the walls and they paint, get, like, a drop of paint on the dollar. And, yes. Yeah, it's like that. It's like that. That was a really fairly obscure reference. I oh, apologize. Yeah. Um, another idea. A few particularly ambitious members of the Mortalitasi finally begin to consolidate their power enough that they could make a grab for the throne. The PCs may have to decide if they support this paradigm shift or if they are against it. Surely the Chantry, which is still present in Navarra, would not appreciate mages taking government positions Uh like king or queen of Navarra. Now that, that could be a problem. That's, that's the kind of campaign starting stuff. And, uh, let's see, and of course, perhaps consider the uh, forces that necromancers could bring to bear against their enemies. Yeah, and just having the political power, the mortalitasi behind them. Oh yeah. As yeah, that that's a consolidation of power that's probably something the Chantry will not be okay with. Death is politics in in Navarra, and these guys are Masters death. Of it. Death. Um, another idea: a dragon has been sighted in Navarran borders, and now hundreds of dragon hunters, skilled or not, are scrambling to be the one to kill the beast and bring its head home. The PCs may fancy themselves dragon hunters and may join the race, and they may be working to protect the dragon from the hunters, given that dragons are nearly extinct as it is. Poor dragons. Yeah, poor dragon. The dragon may Save not the dragon! The dragon may not necessarily be very conscious of the help you're trying to offer it, which could make the encounters a bit more tricky. Mm-hmm. Definitely more interesting if you're trying to protect the dragon, because mm-hmm. then you, you have to kind of fight off the thing you're protecting and the people you're protecting it from. You're going to lose a lot of points to the Navarans. That is true. Trying to do that and maintain your welcome in Navarro mm-hmm. could be really difficult. Yeah. Best of luck with that one. Uh, a thieves' guild wants to get into the Grand Necropolis to raid a tomb for riches from the family buried inside. If the PCs are part of the raid, they may have to make plans for gray-robed mages, heavily armored guards, and even walking dead within the tomb itself. Uh, less guards and more undead may be present in tombs of failing families, and many of the tombs likely contain traps to deter robbery. Traps again. Traps again. Yeah, see? We're plugging it. it. Plugging it. Uh, The PCs are invited to a social engagement, where two Navarans are engaging in a battle of theatrical wit. One argues that the Pentagasts are the greatest in the Navaran families, while the other argues for the Van Markhams. Do the PCs have a preference? Do they join in on the fun? If the PCs do well, might they be recruited by actually living members of the family for the future? Will they hurt the feelings of the family they did not speak on behalf of? And, uh... A fam, a big family with hurt feelings, and that's, those that's fe- hurt trouble. feelings are directed at you. You may have to deal with that mm-hmm. in the future. Maybe orchestrate something so that uh, those hurt feelings can be mended, or uh, just get yourself out of dodge. Yeah, there's uh, that one's a, a bit of a like a beginning beginning seed, like a seed of a seed. Yeah, but I like that because it can really it could even lead into any of these other ones too. Oh, definitely, easily. Yeah. But uh, those are some examples mm-hmm. of ways you could start your adventures in Navarra as a grand adventurer. Hmm. Or even as potential seeds just for your Navarran adventurer PCs. Yeah, maybe these are things that happened to you in the in your past and mm-hmm. they shape gonna... who you are. <laughs> uh-huh, and that would definitely come back to haunt you. That was a really bad joke given that we're talking about Navarra. <laughs> I'm a poet and I didn't even realize it. 
That's all we have for today, guys. Thank you all so much for listening to the Wonders of the Thetis podcast. This has been a good one. Uh, Navarra is really cool. You should check it out. You should read up on it. Yeah, now I want to. I want to run some. I want to have something run in Navarra. Yes, should definitely go to the Grand Necropolis. Nothing bad will happen. There will no. be no wraiths. There will be no arcane horrors, and there will be no revenants. No. None whatsoever. It'll be great. So. Thank you all so very much for listening. This is Bren wishing lots of sixes on that dragon die. And this is Jessica wishing you good heels and happy feelings. Thank you all again so much for listening. You all have a great afternoon, night, whatever comes next. Yep, have a good one. Bye-bye.